Welcome everybody to Envisioning the New Normal, a series of interviews with thought leaders from uh, New Zealand and further abroad about what life might look like post-COVID-19 or as we uh, emerge from COVID-19. And uh, with me today, I have David Gander, who I have got to know well over recent months. David has had a long career in IT, including 20 years as a software business owner and founder. Um, and since exiting that, he's been able to spend more time on his lifelong interest and passion uh, for a healthy environment. So David's been involved in all sorts of climate activism projects, including work with the Climate Reality Project, which is something that Al Gore started several years ago, and it's now a global movement across 50 countries, um, and it's committed to community education and training on climate action. So David's got a very active um, uh, LinkedIn profile. Um, though you're very welcome to follow him there. He posts all sorts of uh, informative and interesting articles which spark uh, wide debate and discussion. So just before I hand over to David, I just want to give a, a little bit of background about why I'm doing this. So uh, I'm Robin Wynne-Lewis and my career has been in leadership development as a consultant, coach and facilitator. But um, a year or so ago, I started getting increasingly uncomfortable about the state of the, the world and feeling that I needed uh, to do something about it. So in thinking about what my contribution could be, I decided that I wanted to help um, change the mindset of leaders in my network to, um, to doing something about protecting our precious planet. And this series of discussions is aimed at just sparking conversation around what sort of world we want to create. And I think now is the perfect time because COVID-19, whilst hurting and costing us in many ways, has also given us time to stop and think and reflect. And we're already doing a lot of the things that we should be doing to protect the planet and should have been doing for quite some time. So I just see it's a fantastic opportunity to piggyback on what we've already started and create a collective vision of how we want life and work to be from this point onwards. So uh, enough from me, I'll, I'll let David start talking. And, and essentially, David, I've got two questions for you. The first is, what is your vision of the new normal, uh, globally, nationally, and locally? And secondly, how do we make that happen? I know you've been thinking about this for a lot longer than me, um, so really looking forward to your views. Over to you. Welcome. Thank you, Robin, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. So I'll, uh, I'll go straight into uh, your first question about um, talking about my vision for what is the new normal. Um, and uh, it, it's very much an evolving thing. We're all dealing with a lot of immediate issues at the moment uh, here in our communities, in our own lives, uh, across the world, and, and that's playing out on a daily basis. So. Um, as well as the immediate focus, of course, what's been happening is that we're being pushed out of our comfort zones mm. in ways that means when we come back and things do move back into normal, which is going to be a, a slower process than a lot of people might like, we're going to find an opportunity to, um, to, to reset boundaries and to, and to have things differently. So we're being pushed into things being different anyway, whether we like it or not. It's just 
we've got to go through this process of understanding what the changes are all about. So for me, the, the vision of a new norm would be firstly um, understanding and relearning the power that nature has over our human cleverness. <laughs> we've had we've had a couple of centuries at least of um, civilization, industrial revolution, and a whole lot of things that, that can go into a lot more deeply some other time. What that really talks about is um, we rely on nature incredibly, and, and we're seeing it now play out in this whole response to the crisis. We have to eat more local food because less of it's available to be shipped. We have to rely more on our local communities. So our local community resilience um, is a really important thing to be reminded of, as well as all of the other things that are happening around uh, managing the, uh, the COVID-19 infections and so forth. So aligning with nature in a far more intelligent, I think, and cooperative way rather than controlling and enslaving nature, I think, is an important lesson. Mm -hmm. the, second, the second thing, I've got three of these points. The second one is that we rediscover, um, and it's again, it's happening organically, the, the purpose, the, the importance of community and having shared purpose. Right. We're looking, we're looking out for each other um, spontaneously, people looking out for each other. Uh, it, it's just part of being human, and I think that humanity is coming out more. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Boris Johnson, who's, who I think is going to be a different person, just in the way that he's he's responded to how he's been looked after by the um, the league of underfunded NHS. So there's a sign. My third point is our economy needs to be purpose based. So we need a wider focus than the old Milton Friedman idea of uh, profit is the only thing that a company should be doing to look after its its stakeholders. <laughs> We need a much more full-purpose consciousness in the way that businesses run. And that's something that's been growing for a long time anyway. There's lots of people that have been putting their line in food. Okay. So I think that those are the really important things about what I think the new vision is going to be about. Great. Thank you, David. That's uh, really clear and concise. So let, let me just kind of repeat that back to you. So your, your, your three factors, um, if you like, um, that make up your vision are uh, a more intelligent and cooperative relationship with nature, um, uh, more of a community-based approach to the way that we live and look after each other. I would be interested in hearing a little bit more about your um, your thoughts on how that's going to happen, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, and also for our economy to be more purpose-based, purpose-driven. Do you mean instead of being purely growth-driven? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, I do. And I think that, um, you know, we had a well-being budget being talked about two odd years ago, two and a half years ago. So I think, again, these ideas aren't new, but I think they're being given a lot more momentum um, yeah. as as we just kind of, um, I think, summarise it as rediscover our humanity. Yeah, lovely. Um, okay, so so moving into the how, I'd, I'd love to hear your list of ideas for how, and perhaps we could start with that one, that um, the, the more humane approach to to looking after each other and, and to doing business. Would you be willing to start with that one? Uh, I'll try and tackle that. I'm not a social scientist by too much um, level of expertise, but um, I'm seeing in the way that people are reacting to, to this, um, that we are being reminded now much more of um, 
of how humanity is important, how we need to rely on each other, look after each other, um, live more in the way that, that we used to live in villages, and lots of people still do. Mm. In the villages, uh, but the time that I've spent in villages and I was really able to spend after I exited my business, the people that I spent time in villages with in, um, in Borneo, to them, the, the village is the family. You look after everybody that you live with and they look after you. And I think that's just something that's, that's coming out of um, understanding that we, we function as communities. Um, we, we, we live in our little boxes, mm. um, but actually we function much better as communities. And that's, I think, it's definitely the momentum that's coming out of it. Right. Okay, so um, it's more of what we've already started with, um, you know, looking out for our neighbours, going shopping for the 70-year-olds, um, over 70-year-olds, etc. There's been, I've definitely noticed in my community, a lot more kindness, a lot more neighbourliness, willing to, willingness to help, etc. Okay, so, so, so what else is part of your, your how, David? Well, I think um, the first thing is an acknowledgement that um, that we need a new reality. You know, I think that's an evolving process because we're still in in a like in a sense we're still in perhaps a bit of a shock phase, and we're just coping with all of the stuff that's got to be coped with on a day to day basis. But the the realization is definitely becoming uh, more talked about. I'm seeing it every day from lots of different quarters that. There is going to be a new normal. Um, I did a post on LinkedIn that you might have seen that the BAU has been replaced by BUNN, which is business under new normal. I saw that. <laughs> and that's just, a, that's going to evolve. So the first thing is that, and I think that's part of the whole process of um, changing, is acknowledging that we need to change. It's, it's a kind of epiphany that we're all getting. So, so just just on that, before you go any further, so um, it seems to me that that many people have acknowledged that there will be a change, um, but um, I'm interested, and I wonder if you are too, in in uh, promoting more more decisiveness about what sort of change. So rather than just sort of passively acknowledging that there's going to be a, a new normal, um, people almost saying, yes, there should be a new normal and here's what I'd like it to look like. Well, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a discussion that we all have and I think it's, um, it's definitely something we should all be debating, including government and business. There's, and I'll just repeat, I think that there are so many things that are already happening. Uh, yes. the, the people like the, the Sustainable Business Network, the Climate Leaders Co Coalition, so in the business sector, there's a huge amount of work that's been underway for a long time, for years. In the case of Sustainable Business Network, for, you know, Rachel Brown's been running that for at least 16 years or more. Yeah. Um, and I think that these are movements that are just going to get kicked along really nicely because people understand now why this is really important. Yeah, excellent. Um, the, the donut economy, you know, thinking. Yes. Uh, you know, so using our resources more intelligently. Yes. So hopefully more support for the thinking that is already out there and the movements that are already happening. Hopefully they'll become uh, more widely known and accepted and supported. Yes. And I think also seeing, um, because you know, I heard something on the radio just this morning, um, which echoes something I've been talking about is um, you know, in Venice, uh, Italy being one of the epicenters of the, the virus infection, <coughs> 
but the air is so clear in Venice and the water is so clear that they are now seeing fish in the canals in Venice, yeah. which hadn't, hadn't been seen for decades. Yeah. We've, we've got massive images of clean air over so many parts of the world, only after just weeks exactly. of, of less, um, less of a transport onslaught. So nature responds so quickly. And I think this is also showing people and showing leaders that um, this is really in our grasp. How much, how much effort do we have to make to keep it, mm. really? Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, hence my point about piggy, piggybacking on, on this wonderful opportunity mm -hmm. and making the most of it. So, so what else would you like to see uh, happening? What do you think are, are the priority, priorities, the things that we should be grabbing hold of now and making a move on? Uh, well, the... Um uh, the, the idea of collective intelligence, that, that there's a complex problem, well there's quite a few, but one of the most complex problems is how do we change our energy use? How do we move away from fossil fuels? And I, and I yeah. see there's a, there's a kind of a perfect storm happening because this is something I'm following very actively right at the moment and posting on LinkedIn um, in quite a lot of detail because right at the moment, over the last few days, there's been this big push by President of the US Trump to push oil prices back up, um, which is a strongly self-interested thing, which is not a subject that I'll go into at the moment, but um, he's been trying to get prices up. He's been pushing Saudi Arabia and OPEC and Russia to cut production. And there was a landmark historic deal that finally happened over the weekend. Prices haven't moved a notch. So even though there's been an agreement to cut production, the demand has slumped so far Wow. There's so much oil, there's so much oil floating around in tankers, Robin, there's nowhere to store it. In about three weeks, we'll run out of storage. So the fossil fuel industry is, is going through a huge crisis. There are companies in the US that are going to go bankrupt at prices below $30 a barrel. So this is going to force us to rethink our energy. But don't you don't you think that that's just going to change as 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 soon as people get back to normal and and businesses start operating again, everyone's going to be on the road and in the air, and all that oil is going to be wanted and needed again. Well, the first thing is there'll be six months worth of oil to use before you'll see the production that's happening today actually get used. The second thing is that the travel bans or travel restrictions are going to be in place for a very long time. Right. Um, there are some countries that people won't want to go to. We've still got to work out the secondary infections because this disease, there's no immunity. So there are 7.8 billion people that are need to either build up community immunity or herd immunity as it's called, or to have the disease and build up their own antibodies. So there's going to need to be a long period. People are talking two or three years of gradual moving back. And over that time frame. Uh, business as usual is just going to disappear. So we're not going to see a snapping back in a matter of weeks to a 30% increase in demand for uh, for transport fuel and energy. It's going to be a lot slower than that. But by the same token, and I don't want to spend too too long on this because I'm sure you've got other, other points to make, but um, just quickly, if we're seeing a lessening in demand for fossil fuels, then um, presumably the same is going to apply to renewable food source, uh, fuel sources. Uh, yes, it is. But at the moment, they're such a tiny percentage that I think barely 1% or certainly a lot less than 2% yeah. of the world's energy comes from renewables. So I think it's like every other situation. When you get this big change economically, 
investment yes. shifts. So the investment's going to move out of the fossil fuel sector because it's it's tanked. Who's going to invest in, in companies that lose money? Yes, and investment's going to, investment's going to move into energy that is more sustainable and has a much better future. Okay. So I think it, it's a follow the money point, really. In, yes, really. and I, um, on that on that point, I'm very interested to talk to Dr. Roger Spiller, who I think you know he's going to be uh, next up on the series of interviews talking about um, the power of uh, conscious investment and where where we where we choose to invest our money. Um, but um, moving on from, from that one, David, thank you. Is there, is there anything else that's a, a priority for you? So I've heard so far in terms of your how, um, widespread acknowledgement that a new reality uh, should prevail and following the lead um, of organisations that are already active in this domain, such as the Sustainable Business Network, the Circular Economy uh, people, etc. And there are, there are many more. There's already good thinking out there. Um, uh, secondly, we need to acknowledge that complex problems need uh, collective intelligence. And you've mentioned our dependence on fossil fuels, and we need some Presumably, you're saying some collective intelligence regarding how to get away from that, although it's already happening. Um, what else? Uh, there's just a couple, really. I think the, uh, there's a very important point about um, leadership. And we're seeing this exemplified at the moment in the way the government's been handling the situation is the industrial lobby groups uh, shun overnight. It's, um, it's a topic to delve into, but there's, there's been a huge amount of influence from, from well-funded lobby groups, oil sector and industry, and suddenly that, they're not at the table. Because. So, uh, well, because they're not solving the crisis. So when we need to, the, the economy is basically being completely transformed through the leadership of government worldwide, very strongly in New Zealand, but of course we're, we're not at all alone. And I think that just shows that the um, the ease with which governments, when they're motivated to, when it's important enough, can ignore the industrial lobby. And that's an important thing for rebuilding our economy because we don't have to be controlled by, uh, by, the, by the people that um, control our industry. So are you saying that you'd like to see more of that? You'd like to see that continue? That Absolutely. Be... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, because I think... Um, you know, funded lobby groups obviously get decisions made, political decisions and economic decisions made that favour them. Um, it's a huge driver in the US and, and there are actually some some really irritating things that are happening right now in the US that people, some industrial groups are taking advantage of the crisis as a detraction to get out there and bulldoze the hell out of the environment over there. Different subject. But I think um, you know, it's really important to have a much more balanced, much more citizen-based well-being based uh, decision criteria and I think that's definitely going to come out. Okay so um, bold decisive leadership at, um, at the national level do you see do you see a need I mean, this is one of my sort of pet interests of course um, uh, but it's not my interview but do you see a, um, a need for bold decisive leadership um, elsewhere? Well <laughs> In business, as I mentioned, it, it, a lot of it that's already happening, I think that's going to get moved along. When, once we all move away from the immediate day-to-day -day dashboard of how do we deal with and how do we look after ourselves and our neighbours and our families. <laughs> um, I think there's another really important thing 
that will speak to how we how we lead um, both in government and business and in the not-for-profit sector, which is aligning with the generational shift that's again been happening for quite a long time. I've got children that are all in the in the millennial age group, um, and that that age group is now moving from into middle and senior management, and over the next few years will we'll effectively take over. So as we rebuild the new normal, we need to align with a number of themes that are already happening. Um, the four-purpose business that we've already talked about, the circular economy thinking, and there's so much innovation. One of the things that I spend a lot of time on now is um, investing in startups, and I'm really pleased to see so much um, innovation coming through from that age group. <coughs> and they just they just get it straight away. You don't have to talk to them about why we need climate action. They just get it, yes. and they just figure out. Well, in my twenties and early thirties, I'm just going to do what is needed, and I only want to work with companies or for companies that also get it. And so, I think part of that is also going to change things. Um, eating less animals is something that's going to be quite big, not just because there might be a philosophical or an environmental if you if you follow the land use theory, but also because one of the other things that we're seeing happening right now, uh, meat producers are seeing a big fall off in demand because they can't ship. The industrial meat industry is actually being um, being unwound. Not totally, but um, because in New Zealand, you know, we're a lot more local. But um, that is also going to be changing. So I think the whole, the, the whole thing that, again, is one of these perfect storm alignments is that um, this is happening at a time when there's a whole lot of new energy and a whole lot of new innovation that's just waiting to have the opportunity with a much smaller amount of funding than is needed to, to have big business growth. So that's a good move. Okay, so that's, thank you, that last point about aligning with millennial thinking. Um, yeah, I found that really interesting and would love to keep talking about that, but we're, we're running out of time here in terms of the attention span of the average listener. But I would um, just like to quickly ask you, David, before you finish, do you have a, like a, a pet hope or dream, or something that, that you personally would just love to see come out of all of this? Um, well, I guess something that um, those of us that have been working on on improving our climate and our, and our planet environment for for a long time just want to see um, more a more inclusive, more collaborative, uh, more social well-being based way of doing business. I think. Um, you know, a shift in values, I think, as some other people have talked about it. Uh, Rod Jury, for example, um, that I, you and I mentioned in the chat, is, you know, Rod Jury is the chief executive and founder of Zero, a mm. uh, fabulously su successful startup. And he's out now saying the same thing, which is this is an opportunity that we really want to take advantage of. We need to do business better. We need to have a stronger set of values in the way that we look after each other and run the economy. So I think. My, my deep wish is that we just make the transformation into being earth warriors. Earth warriors. Yeah. Fantastic. So I, I, I really like that a more inclusive, collaborative, social well-being way of doing business, a more values-based 
way of uh, doing business. That's a, that's a the sort of conversation I would love to facilitate with any <laughs> business owners out there who are inspired by David's words. Um, but uh, we've come to the end of our time. So thank you, David. Anyone still listening, uh, I thoroughly recommend that you follow David on LinkedIn. As I said, he's got a, he, he's very active, a wealth of uh, great articles and uh, fabulous th discussion that always arises from, from his posts. So thanks again, David, and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation with you personally sometime soon. Most welcome, Robin. Thank you. Okay. See you all, folks. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.